The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning back into the show, always appreciate it when you do. My guest this week is going to be Matt Bonantono. Matt uh, came on the show about a year ago. We did an interview. I did one of my first private seminars at the studio Matt was working in at the time, and uh, it was a really great experience. We had a really good conversation, and I just wanted to kind of catch up with Matt a year later because Matt has moved on and has opened his own piercing-only studio uh, in the Maryland area, kind of in between D.C. and, and Baltimore. And uh, we just kind of talk about what goes into it. I know we did that a little bit last week, too, with Kelly. um, But I I really think it's important to to learn as much as you can, especially if you're one of those piercers out there who has aspirations of, you know, one day going off and opening their own studio. Or maybe you're in uh, someone else's tattoo shop and you're thinking about changing your business model, expanding, remodeling, you know, really anything like that. You want to learn as much as possible because, uh, you know, as complicated as you think the process is, it's probably going to be a lot more complicated than that. And some of that stuff you just don't know uh, until you're you're in the thick of it, you know. So it really helps to hear other people's experiences if you want to, you know, one day go off and open your own shop or you know kind of do something under your own banner. So it really helps to learn uh, all about the different planning phases. You know, we talk about um, how Matt kind of put the theory of um, waiting rooms and display cases and you know just different stuff you have to deal with with zoning and inspections and you know workers and plumbing code and all these different things you know um, owning a business is way more than just being like a, a good body piercer or having a concept of what you want to offer to people um, you have to understand like the physical logistics of having an actual physical space having a studio the different things that go into that so um, really good uh, really good conversation to hear about I know we, we did a, a lot of that last week too with Kelly talking about how she opened Monarch in Tennessee um, but again you know the more you know uh, the easier it can be not that it's really going to be an easy process if you want to open your own studio but it helps to know everything you can so before we get into that interview with Matt I'm gonna do a little bit of Q&A um, if you're ever interested in submitting anything, I think I mentioned it about a thousand times by now, that you can always email me, uh, ryanpba at gmail.com. But I've also made a, a pretty simple Google form. You can go to the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page. There's a, a link on there. I'll, I'll probably pin it at some point so you can go back to it. But you can submit questions. You can submit ideas for topics or guests. And you can do it all anonymously if you're nervous. I won't know who you are. Um, but, you know, actually give me questions. You know, try not to just make it be something silly. Uh, so first question, uh, I learned all about bevel down, but when is it okay to use bevel up? So, uh you know, if you're a body piercer and you you fully understand the concepts of bevel up, bevel down, which to be honest, most piercers don't understand that. Um, that that class that I take on the road, the whole understanding and applying freehand piercing techniques thing, it's all about that. It's all about what what does that mean, bevel up versus bevel down. Um, the short, boiled down, like super super shortened version of it is. If you can turn the needle upside down, you kind of lift it at a specific angle. Basically, you can take the three different blades that are on a needle. That's why they're called a tri-bevel needle. Um, And you can really just focus all the the energy on the two front blades. So you're removing pressure from that back bevel 
um, and you're also reducing a lot of tissue trauma. So, you know, if you're a body piercer, and I know that not everybody who listens to this show is, so if you're a body piercer, or if you've ever gotten a body piercing, and you feel the needle glide through to a point, and then kind of you feel resistance, and then you feel it pop through, um, the glide sensation are those two front blades of the needle, and that back kind of drag pop sensation is that back blade causing tissue trauma. So uh, the concept of bevel down uh, sometimes can be oversimplified to just like, you know, turn the needle around um, and then, you know, push basically. But, you know, there's a lot of different physics and technique and little finer things that go into it. But I prefer to pierce with essentially a bevel down uh, theory or concept for everything I do because you're really you're reducing a lot of tissue trauma. Not to say that using a needle in a straight trajectory, like you know having the bevel facing up and just pushing it in a straight line. Not to say that you can't get good piercings. You can, but you do tend to get a little bit more tissue trauma than if you understand the concept of you know freehand bevel theory. Uh, bevel down, whatever you want to call it, basically. But when that uh, when that kind of concept clicks for you, it really changes the way you use a needle. And once you're 100% comfortable with that, chances are you're not going to want to go back to using the needle in a, you know, air quotes, bevel up kind of way. And it's really just because of, of tissue trauma. So really difficult to explain those things uh, through just audio. You know, even sometimes when I'm talking face to face with a piercer, it's difficult to fully explain it. A lot of times I have to draw like the terrible like riograms or even do some like practical demonstration hands-on stuff. You know, if I'm in a shop uh, with piercing needles, you know, I'll, I'll grab some gauze or some foam or some stacks of paper or something like that and, and just kind of put the needle through that way and, and really kind of illustrate the point. And obviously when I'm in those classes, that's what the whole day is about. It's just really driving home that point so you really fully understand it. Um, you know, this might be a good point to, to kind of drop my gratuitous plugs. Uh, I've got the class uh, Monday, February 25th in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, registration is going to be closing for that kind of soon. So, you know, it's a couple of weeks away um, and I, I really need to, you know, figure out what kind of materials that we need to bring over there, print out certificates, get all my stuff packed and, you know, maybe get some stuff shipped over there too. Um, so keep in mind that if you are one of those people who's interested in coming to the Glasgow seminar, um, it would be really helpful if you uh, finalized your registration so I can get some accurate numbers, headcounts, things like that. So Monday, February 25th, Glasgow, Scotland, and that's going to be a special dual seminar with myself and Jeff Saunders. We're going to be covering bevel theory. We're going to be covering disposable techniques. Uh, we're going to be covering a lot of really good stuff and you get to do this stuff actually in your hand. So we'll, we'll make sure that it really, you know, clicks for you, but, uh, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can get yourself registered. I also made a Facebook events page. You can find that through the body art education by Ryan Willett Facebook page. Uh, and I, you know, I'd love to see you there other than, uh, the one in Glasgow. Uh, keep in mind that I also do have one on Monday, March 18th, uh, in the, uh, Los Angeles area. It's actually going to be in the North Hollywood Hills, um, just outside of LA. And, uh, that, that one's already kind of starting to, to fill up. So if you're interested in that one, definitely get your registration in for that sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I want to make sure that, um, you know, I get as many people in as I can, but there will be a limited capacity to both of these classes. So you don't really want to drag your feet on it. Um, and I would love to see everybody there. I love to teach these classes and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really get the opportunity to, to go around LA very often. So this might be my only, uh, my only class in that area of California, or maybe my only class in California for 2019. So, you know, keep that stuff in mind. 
definitely going to be my only class in Scotland in 2019. Uh, so definitely jump on that if you get the opportunity. But yeah, when it comes to the whole like bevel theory concept, if you are ever unsure about it, that's definitely like one of those ideal situations where you can go and shadow someone. Uh, you can really kind of see it in use and you can get an explanation from a body piercer who's already comfortable with it. And it really starts to click. But once it clicks, you're probably not going to want to go back to the whole bevel up thing. Um, you can, you can perform any piercing with bevel up versus bevel down theories. Um, the majority of my career, you know, the first 10 or, you know, however many years of my career, it was all bevel up. It was just, you know, use a clamp or use a receiving tube or sometimes, you know, brace with your fingers, but, you know, basically just push the needle straight through. And, uh, you know, when it really clicked for me about what bevel down actually meant, um, things like navels, things like nipples, all became so much easier and way more comfortable for the client too. You know, you reduce trauma, meaning you reduce pain. Uh, you can make healing a little bit easier. You, you can just make all different things more comfortable for the client. So uh, if you're not comfortable with it yet, if you're not familiar with it yet, you know, try to familiarize yourself with it. Try to get out there, try to learn a little bit more, you know, whether it's videos online or forums or classes or conferences or whatever. Uh, as a body piercer, I think that that's a, a really important concept to to understand and be familiar with. So that's it for Q&A for this week, but I think I'm going to try to turn this into um, a regular thing. Maybe not every week, depending on how long my interviews are, but I think, uh, you know, once a week I'd like to maybe drop in some sort of a question from people. I've got a couple other ones uh, in, in the in the works. Um, I've got a good question about um, threadless versus threaded and uh, horizontal tongue piercing. So, you know, I'll get to some of those next week and in the following weeks, and I'll make sure that all these questions are, are covered. Uh, in just a few days, I'm going to be leaving for Florida. I'm going to be going to the Tampa area uh, to see a, a band. There's a, a band called Ensiferum that I really like from Finland, and that's uh, the band that I went over to, to Paris to see a few weeks ago. While I was there, I was kind of hanging out with them, and um, I told them that I didn't really have the opportunity to see them in Boston, which is you know closest to, to where I live because I had a work thing the day that they'll be in Boston. So uh, they said, oh, you know, are there any other dates you'll be able to make it to? And I, I looked and I was like, well, I could guess I could go to the, the last show on the tour, which is Tampa. Uh, and they're like, cool, you should come down. We'll put you on the guest list. So um, hopefully they didn't just like completely forget about that. I'll show up and they'll be like, who? Um, but, you know, either way, uh, I'm going to just kind of go to the show, hang out, you know, hopefully get to bump into them again and chat a little bit. I'm going to be uh, meeting up with uh, fellow piercer John Robertson. John's a really great guy. I like to hang out with him whenever I get the opportunity at conference or when I'm ever, you know, in Florida or something like that. And John's going to come to the show with me. Hopefully he doesn't hate them. Um, you know, Finnish folk metal. Uh, maybe isn't everybody's cup of tea, but it is certainly my cup of tea. And uh, we're going to be kind of hanging out for the day too. And I'm going to try to get uh, a, a good podcast interview with them while we're killing some time. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I'll be back next week with another interview for you. But for now, let's get into that interview with Matt Bonantono. Uh, my name is Matt Bonantono. Um, I now own Freya Piercing. Social media you can find us on Instagram at, um, at Freya Piercing. And we are now located in Gambrels, Maryland. I used to work in Hanover, so we're just about 20 minutes away from there. So is that closer to Baltimore, further from Baltimore? Um, we're, we're, we kind of made a bilateral move. Okay. Um, so we're still right in between Baltimore and D.C., just about 15, 20 minutes away from each. So, you know, a, a lot of the questions I want to ask you is just mm -hmm. kind of about the, the physical process of not only starting a new shop, but going from a, a, a very well-established location 
and kind of moving over to you know a place that you own and that's in a different city. So um, what were some of the things that went into starting the new shop? You know, and I think the first thing is probably even before you had a physical location, like, you know, what what kind of groundwork did you need to lay when you were leaving one location and moving to another, you know, like grabbing social media, what what made you pick that name, like all, all kinds of different stuff that goes into it. Yeah, yeah. So um, this has definitely been an interesting process overall, for sure. So um, I've always wanted my own piercing only studio. And one of the big reasons is because I firmly believe that piercings and tattoos, although they kind of go together, they're kind of separating out. Um, and I think within the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a massive, a massive split where you're just going to have a lot of piercing only studios mm -hmm. and a lot of tattoo only studios. Mm -hmm. So I've always wanted my piercing only studio. Um, it was in the kind of my 10 year business plan and it just kind of got pushed forward a lot quicker due to some, some circumstances that we didn't really see happening. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like the, the groundwork of it. So the, the lease that we have happened really fast. Um, we weren't really looking for places. This kind of stumbled upon us in a weird way. And I think it was a Thursday we saw the space and then by Sunday or Monday we had, a, we had signed the lease. Wow. That's cool. So, yeah. It happened super fast. And we picked a location just because of mainly where it's at. The sizing was perfect. Um, we're around a lot of really good um, good shops, things like that. So it kind of felt good. Um, we uh, we looked at it, everything like it just it just had that good vibe and that good feeling. So we we went ahead and uh, went with it. Right. Um, <clears throat> as far as the name goes, one of the things, I mean, we came up with probably a hundred different names um, over the course of like a month and a half. And uh, me, I'm really big into like Norse mythology and uh, Vikings and things like that. And my my core business is is called Viking body modifications. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I think Viking is just a little bit too harsh as far as names go. Right. It's very and, it's very masculine feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's very masculine, almost in a brutal manner. When you think Viking, you think war, battle, blood, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so. We wanted to keep it in the vein of Norse mythology, but have something a little more family oriented or something a little more effeminate, mm -hmm. um, something that more people could relate to. Um, so that's where we picked out Freya. Um, Freya is the wife of Odin. Um, so she's kind of like the, the goddess of goddesses or goddess of gods. She's She also happens to be the goddess of gold. And she happens to be drawn in a chariot or she, she happens to ride in a chariot drawn by cats. <laughs> so that kind of that kind of helped push that just a little bit, a little bit more. Right. Um, and and honestly, I love I love the rune that represents her. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of worked really well with with um, advertising and 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 our social media and stuff like that. So it was kind of a lot of different pieces that went together, and it just it ended up being how it is. Yeah, I think it's a great branding. You know, it yeah. it uh, even if people don't know that it's related to Norse mythology, I think just it rolls off the tongue in a way where it just feels like comforting and relaxing. You know, and then when you when you mm -hmm. start to learn the mythology that goes behind it, um, you know, I think it's got a a good vibe to it. So you know, you definitely picked a good one, and you know, to go from 
being in a shop to having your own shop, like I, it, to me, and I'm sure to you, it seems like it was just like record time, you know, because I've opened a couple of different studios, expanded, moved, things like that. And it's never mm. been an easy process. It's always been this like, you know, claw your way to the finish line kind of a thing. And, and, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like your, your process went pretty quickly. Did it, did it, everything just kind of line up for you or were there like lots of frustrations that you just kind of had to deal with and muscle through? So, um, one thing that I learned over the last few months is that nothing will go right. Um, <laughs> like, like literally nothing. I mean, in the end, everything worked out the way it needed to, and it's perfect. Um, but any, any timeline we had in mind, any, um, anything that we had planned to do never went as planned. Um, there were so many setbacks. There were so many things that, that happened that were little bumps in the road, um, that kind of thing. So it kind of starts with, um, when we, when we picked out the place and we got the lease and everything, the building was actually part of another business that downsized. Mm -hmm. So we had to get our electric company in there to split meters and do all this other stuff. Um, they didn't have the right information. The landlord didn't have the right information. So it took almost a month just to do that. And then, uh, then we had to get our contractors in. Everybody's working around busy schedules. Plus, it's happening right over the holidays. Um, we were lucky enough that our contractor was like really able to work with us on the timeline. So, even though for us it seemed like a long time, you know, we didn't we weren't really working or anything like that. So we're just putting out this money, getting the studio built. Um, even though it wasn't a long time and it seemed like a long time to us, it definitely happened a lot quicker because we were able to get people to work around schedules. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, maybe, maybe around the holiday time, there was a little bit of motivation financially for the, for the workers because they probably wanted a little extra holiday money. You know, for me, mm -hmm. um, originally for, from my current studio, the, the contractor came in, took a look and was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to guess, you know, three months, four months. And I was like, oh, that's, that would be amazing. And then 18 months later, when we <laughs> actually opened up, I was like, okay, now I know a lot more about construction than I ever planned yeah. to know about it, you know? So for the, for the people that that listen to a show like this or, or think about opening their own studio or something um, you know always expect that it's going to take way longer always expect that it's going to cost way more always expect that there are going to be unforeseen hiccups problems obstacles all kinds of stuff that's you know it's going to feel like a nightmare when you're going through it I'm sure it did for you mm -hmm. but when it's when it's done you know you, you really have that sense of satisfaction of knowing that you made it through it absolutely and that's that's the thing like i talked to i talked to a couple business owners um and they said they said the same thing and and you can hear it as much as you want but until you go through it and until you see everything it's like a whole nother world right um it definitely like the the best advice i could get give anybody is just be prepared mm -hmm. be prepared for surprises be prepared for you know whatever your budget is multiply that by three um timelines multiply that by three i mean it, it was just it was it there there really no way to explain it other than like you just did like you just have to expect everything that's unexpected right and then right. just just go with it so um for for me i'll, I'll tell you some of my really bad ones then you, maybe you can tell me some of your really bad ones uh, <laughs> so uh, not only was I renovating to put my business in there, but I had, I had bought the building and I had to do a lot of renovations. Just It was like practically at the point where it was going to be condemned. So I had to do a lot of work, like top to bottom. And mm. the, the worst thing that happened was right at the very, very end, 
um, where the the sewage connects to uh, the, the sewer main in the city. Uh, I guess it was like old pipes meeting new pipes, and we had this issue with a clog where this this pipe in the basement would burst and like everything that would get flushed down a toilet would like erupt into the, into the basement. And, you know, me being the owner, I was the one that had to like literally shovel shit, you know, and and, and get it sorted out and then figure out what, what kind of fixes. And, you know, the, the city was like, you you know, we're not even going to give you permission to, to cut into the street if anything had to be repaired. So, Thankfully, I I got it sorted out from the building side of it. But you know, if I hadn't been able to do that, you know, even if I had been able to talk them into it, it would have been like a fifteen thousand dollar job to like cut open the street and redo yeah. the sewer line and all that stuff. So that was just like one of the many headaches, you know. And I I had a couple other things that were close to that level of stress, but not quite as bad. So what were what were some of the roadblocks you ran into? So, so that's, first off, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it sucked. I, I couldn't imagine dealing with something like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing for me is just being a first time actual business owner or like studio owner. Um, I don't really have any crazy stories like that as far as what would be the worst. Mm -hmm. I think it was just a matter of, um, just like, I, I keep going back to this, but just not being fully prepared for the um, physical and like just mental toll that doing this will take. So here, here's, um, here's a good question to ask. Yeah. Uh, how many times did you cry during the process? Cause I remember crying more than once. Yeah. I've, I've cried more in the last three months than I have in my entire life Yeah, put together. And it's, you know, one of the things about me is I'm a very confident individual and I'm very confident in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, not only as like a piercer or, or, or anything like that, just when I put my mind to something, it happens and I make sure it happens and I do everything I can to make sure that everything lines up for that. This was probably the first time in my life where I had a little bit of doubt about what was going to happen and what wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was that might actually be one of the toughest parts was more like looking into myself and being like this, like we, we don't have the option for this not to work. So right. it has to work. Yeah. Um, and then having to go through that little bit of doubt and that, um, you know, sleepless nights and things like that, because you know, the, the, the money starts piling up. Um, and it's like the little things, man, the, the bigger stuff that's, that's all taken care of. And then it's all the little things, the jewelry cases, the, the desks, the computers, you know, um, tables, all, all this stuff that just kind of all of a sudden now you're spending a hundred grand, like it's nothing. Right. You know, yeah. so I, th- I think that was, that's probably the biggest thing was just the mental, um, the mental toughness that, that I had to really push through to get this, you know, totally good, totally done and, and going through. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it definitely, uh, I don't know. It, it, it makes you like, it turns you into iron basically, you know, yep. like when you have to go through it. So, you know, when I, when I had my, I've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but when I had my first shop, it was just like a whatever, just set some stuff up and, and get working. Like it, it wasn't very well laid out. Second mm-hmm. shop, uh, you know, a, a lot more care went into it, but you know, I, I couldn't afford to pay uh, professionals to do a lot of the work. So the paint, you know, the cabinets, uh, you know, a lot of the lighting, stuff like that, I was doing it on my own. And, you know, I definitely remember during that shop having moments where I would just have complete breakdowns sitting yeah. on the floor crying while I was trying to put together cabinets <laughs> being like, I don't, I don't know that if I can do this, you know, and then with yeah. the third shop uh, and hopefully, you know, last shop, uh, I had this thought of like, okay, well, 
I went through the last process. It almost broke me. You know, now I can afford to to have a lot of professionals help. So it's going to be a lot easier. And mm. it was so much harder just because of the scale of it. You know, I don't yeah. think people really think about, you know, what it really takes to to do it. You know, even just thinking about, you know, the, getting the getting the space physically set up to be able to move in a piercing business. You know, mm -hmm. the, the flooring and the sinks and the paint and the lights and and all that stuff. Like it's just a it's a huge amount of work. And then when you take into account the fact that a lot of body piercers opening shops are working body piercers, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, they might be working piercing shifts somewhere, uh, you know, and then you're having to order jewelry and figure out display cases. And you're, you're trying to do these multiple steps all in your head at the same time while you're trying to do these physical steps, mm -hmm. you know, with your own hands a lot of the time. And, and it's That's really, it's, it's a huge mountain of work. It really is. And, um, I think that's, I think that's the part where, um, it gets, it gets for me, for me, it's weird because I had, you know, you're, you're probably the fifth person to say the exact same thing. And again, it's like, you think, well, I can do it anyway. You know, they just had hiccups. They had this, they had that, you know, and it's like, you go through it and you're like, wow, holy shit. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it, it definitely is put a lot of things into perspective just as far as being a business owner. Um, and it for sure is like really, really tough. Just and and like you said, you know, most of us opening studios are working piercers, so we're doing other stuff throughout the day. And then having contractors to worry about and people in your studio, you know, are it, it's it's a whole nother level of like trying to pay attention and focus on everything while making sure that your day to day stuff is still happening too. Yeah, you know, being being a shop owner, uh, you you really have to be either like really multifaceted or you have to be really well funded to the point where you can pay a lot of other people to do the work for you or you have to be delegators with just a, a lot of really kind and generous people trying to help you out yeah. you know um yeah. it's i don't I, I really don't know how else to describe it you know when i when i hear other piercers kind of just casually say oh yeah i'd like i'd like to open my own shop or i'd like to you know do this or i'd like to do that i i you know i sometimes i'm just thinking like you don't even know how much work is going to go into the simplest of, of businesses, you know? And, yeah. uh, one of the worst things that can happen is you just, you don't do your due diligence and you don't know how many things you might be overlooking. So, you know, when you're actually doing a business properly, it's such a huge amount of work, you know, to make yeah. sure that you're protected, you know, legally and, you know, with studio setup, like, it, you know, for someone like you, I'm sure you, you went into it wanting to be an APP member from, from day one. And, yep. Uh, you know, just having to lay out a studio like that, it's, it's not cheap. It's not easy, you know, and, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of planning. Absolutely. I mean, just in plumbing alone, that was like, that was the big thing. The plumbing right. alone was like just insane. And it, it blew my mind. I, I will tell you, I learned so much doing this about construction that I thought I knew. And then I actually had no idea about. Right. Um, and I'm like, you know, yeah, we, you know, we call these plumbers in and they're, they're like, yeah, we, you know, it's just, it's going to cost you 20 grand to do what you want. And I'm like, 20 grand, what, what the hell are you doing? Right. Right. Um, what, and then, you know, they go over it and like, well, they're, they're cutting up the concrete, they're laying all this pipe, they're putting the concrete back in. And here I'm thinking they can just put in a sump pump and do some pipes above and all this other stuff. And it, right. it's like, now, you know, to, to, to get up to code and all that other stuff. So the, the, a really good part about this is the next time we either expand or get a new building, I'm going to know exactly what I'm doing and I'm yeah. going to be way more prepared. 
being able to ask the right questions is really valuable. I think some people might overlook that, you know, so if, if there's anybody out there listening and they're thinking about, uh, starting a business, you know, what you really want to do at the very beginning of it is find someone to kind of mentor you in the process, you know, whether it's another piercer or whether it's someone else who, you know, owns property or, um, you know, even just consulting with a professional or something like that. But yeah, when I, when I did my studio, um, I have 14 sinks in my shop oh, wow. and yeah. And it was like, uh, you know, it wasn't just as simple as like, for me, I thought it was like, okay, I want to sink here, run a pipe there done, mm-hmm. you know, but it was like, okay, you need to have, you know, gravity fed drains and you need to have this and you need to have that. And you know, that wall is load bearing. So you can't put plumbing in it. And you know, this wall is, is a firewall and you can't, do something next to blah, 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 blah. You know, all these different things with code where someone like you or me might just kind of think, you know, well, how hard is it to run a pipe? How hard is it to run some wires? But, you know, having to think about all the codes and all, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Oh man, just like thinking back on that whole process is just, is just making me tense and anxious already. <laughs> just, just thinking about all the crap I had to deal with. Yeah, dude, I, I don't blame you at all, man. It's still fresh in my mind. So yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, uh, I mean, but it, to, to be completely honest with you, I would a hundred percent do it all over again. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely, it was a, it was a good move for me. Um, it was a move that needed to happen and I'm just, I'm excited that we're finally open and running. Well, I mean, there's nothing like having your own, you know, like even, sure. even though the shop that you were in previously, it was a, it was a really nice shop. It was really successful. You know, I saw you doing great work there, but mm-hmm. nothing is ever going to be the same as having it be your, your shop, you know, your name yeah. over the door kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely one of the things that kind of drew me into wanting my own place, of course. Um, you know, just being able to say, hey, this is mine. This is what I built. This is, this is what I've busted my ass for for however many years. So it's so, definitely very prideful. What what do you think about, you know, very young piercers that want to get to that moment where they're like, okay, I've been piercing for two years and I want to open my own shop now. Do you, do you feel like that's a good idea, bad idea? Do you feel like it's rushed? You know, like what, at what point in your career did you feel like that was, that was going to be the right option for you? So I actually, I think it's great. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think we're in a situation where there's so many, um, well, I think it, I think it'd be great and bad. So we're in a situation now where we have, there's so many great studios looking for piercers. Um, so it's, it's kind of bad just because I'd rather see those great piercers go to these great studios, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of blossom up a little bit more, get more experience, that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's good because it shows that the industry is kind of getting into a position where the high quality stuff is really coming through. Um, you're starting to see more people making more money and being able to do this stuff. Um, so I, I think it kind of goes both ways. Um, other than that, it's, it's kind of, it's weird to me. So I just started really wanting my own studio probably about four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it comes from not only working for other, um, studio owners, but it's also just from being in the corporate world and having to work for people in the corporate world. And I just don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not big on being told what to do and how to run things. Um, I'm actually very bad with that. So it just four or five years ago when I first started, when I first built my LLC and, 
you know, I was really getting into the high quality game and everything else. So it was like one day, I just want my own thing. And I want to be able to run it the way I want it because I have these these visions, these ideas, these things that I want to implement that a lot of studio owners don't want to do. Um, and to be honest, it's mainly because most studio owners are tattoo artists and they have no idea about piercings. They have no idea the advantage that doing high quality piercings and high quality jewelry and all this other stuff kind of brings to the industry. Um, so that kind of fight, I, I was just tired of having. Yeah. So it's it was just kind of one of those things where I just got the idea in my head and said, that's going to be my goal. Why, why do you think it's so tough that, why do you think it's so tough for tattoo shop owners to really see the difference and really understand the difference between high quality and, and low quality or like, you know, mid quality piercing? Because I, I think you can take most body piercers and you mm -hmm. can show them, you know, top notch tattooing versus like, you know, mediocre tattooing. And it's, it's very easy, you know, and it's really easy to draw that line of saying like, you know, all right, this artist puts in the work, you know, with their drawing and, and, and their consultations and, you know, they stay up on their appointments and like their work is awesome. And, you know, all this stuff. Why is it so hard for a tattoo shop owner to see body piercing in the same way? So I think there, I think this has a couple layers to it. Um, first, I think a lot of shop owners are very old school. Mm -hmm. And they just use piercing as a viable e expense or they're just bringing in money with that. Right. Like an add-on um, service. Yeah, exactly. So they, they don't even give it a second thought. They don't really care. They're doing their thing. It is what it is. Um, the other thing, like when you look at art, I think it's very easy to see a tattoo and be like, okay, that either looks like shit or it looks really good. Mm -hmm. When you look at a piercing, most tattoo artists aren't looking at the angle. They're not looking at the polish. They're not looking at anything other than cool. That's a gemstone. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with ignorance and just not understanding what goes into piercings. And I kind of I ran into this problem um, even working at Black Lotus because I was the only piercer there. So I would always want critique. So I would have loved to have been able to go to somebody else there and be like, hey, critique this piercing. And I show them four or five different angles. They have no idea what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that has to come down to just not understanding, um, not knowing anything about piercings or how they work or how the body heals them, things like that. So if we show them a high polished bead versus a, you know, a painful pleasures bead or something like that, they're, they're just like, whatever it's a bead. One just looks nicer than the other. Right. Um, and I just don't think they correlate the two. Um, so I think that's the biggest, difference. I think art is just easier to see what's really good and what's not. Whereas with piercings, if you're using really, you know, subpar quality jewelry, a lot of times you don't see the damage of that until later. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not like with tattoos, it's a, it's a immediate visual. Wow. That looks like crap with piercings. I mean, obviously you have that every once in a while, but for the most part, you can do the same piercing. Just one has high quality jewelry. One has subpar quality jewelry. And most tattoo artists just aren't going to know the difference. Right. Right. Yeah. So one, yeah, you know, I can get that, you know, because you can look at a tattoo and you can, you can appreciate it as a piece of art. And, you know, when I look at a tattoo, I'm not thinking like, you know, oh, you know, what kind of mag did this person use? What brand of ink did they use? Or, you know, what kind of something did they put on it for aftercare? My thought is just like, it, it's a good tattoo kind of a thing. And I, I'd imagine it would be maybe harder for someone to look at a body piercing. You know, maybe you can see the aesthetic things like, you know, it's, it's, you know, the jewelry looks aesthetically pleasing on the anatomy. It looks straight, you know, things like that. But yeah, I, I guess when it comes down to the 
the quality side of it. You know, if you, if you mm -hmm. don't really know when you're not really educated in it, maybe it just doesn't make that much of a difference to you. Yeah. And I think the other thing is also money. Um, mm -hmm. when, you, when you go to somebody who's, uh, when you go to a studio owner who's, who's used to paying 10 cents for a piece of jewelry and you tell them that they now have to pay $10. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think that's a tough wall to break down. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of tattoo artists that I've come across are just really stubborn, yeah. especially with studio owners. Um, so unless you have like full on breakdowns, they're just going to be really scared or really nervous or just, you know, this is my thing. Get, get the hell away from me kind of thing. So I think it's just, it's a lot tougher from that end. Um, and I think, I think it's also because there's just so much more that goes into piercing than tattooing, or at least I think so. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just so many more moving parts. Yeah. To, to piercings than with tattoos. So I think, I think a lot of that combined in kind of makes them a little bit, a little bit tougher to deal with in trying to go from low quality to high quality. Yeah. And also with, with tattoos, you know, there, there are do overs, you know, there are touch up yeah. sessions, things like that. I think sometimes tattooers don't really understand that. It's like, okay, I have, I have essentially like one second to do this perfectly or not perfectly, you know, and yep. you can do all the prep work that goes into it, sterilizing and jewelry and all that stuff too. But when it comes down to it, like there is no tattoo where it's like done, you know, like you have the chance to go back into it for another session or to touch it up or to, yeah. to, you know, to work on it a little bit more. And so maybe they just kind of have a different mentality on it. You know, I, I would never knock a tattooer for mm -hmm. not getting all like the little eccentricities to, to body piercing, you know, because I don't, you know, I've owned a tattoo shop for close to 20 years and I still don't understand everything about tattooing. And I, yeah. I wouldn't expect a, a tattooer to, to get it all, but you know, it, 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 it definitely is frustrating when there are those really good piercers in really good shops that are held back by really good tattoo owners. And it's, it, it's just kind of like, well, you know, all you're doing is you're just costing yourself money and clientele and, and maybe in the long term staff and, and opportunities, you know, and yeah, uh, you can tell a lot of those shops that have really succeeded with body piercing because they just trusted the body piercer and they just let them do, you know, what what their intuition told them they should be doing. Exactly. I, I agree completely. So now I guess you have like this whole generation of body piercers who kind of they started their careers or, you know, they, they really made big strides in their career in those kinds of environments. And now a lot of them are, are jumping off and, you know, you have, uh, you know, you, you have that new wave of piercing only studios, you know, there are always been piercing only studios, yeah. but I, I think there's really been a, a huge uptick in them in, in probably the last five years, especially where now you have really skilled body piercers that are kind of frustrated, kind of alienated with maybe the tattoo shop culture and they've kind of gone out on their own. And I think some, you know, tattoo artists and, and shop owners would kind of scoff at that idea and be like, well, how are you going to, how are you going to pay rent and make a successful business with just body piercing, you know? Yes. And I, I think some piercers would look at it as like, well, it's probably easier to run a business now that I don't have the distraction of, of tattooing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's to me, there, there's a lot of the things that go into it. Like, and, you know, it still comes, a lot of it, I think, comes into um, how people view tattoo studios. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you still have a lot of those parlors that are, you know, the old biker you go in, it's super smoky and just, you know, crappy looking or whatever. But that's like, that's how it is. You know, there's the, the good thing is that we're getting into an age where I think there's a lot more clean studios coming out. Yeah. But you still have that. Well, I don't know if I want to bring my five year old girl 
to a tattoo studio and be around that environment. Yeah. Um, and I've met a lot of tattoo artists that don't care. Like when I have a five year old or any, you know, any kid in my studio, there's, there's no swearing allowed. There's no cussing, you know, but if I have a five year old in a tattoo studio with 10 artists, you're going to hear all kinds of shit that you may not want this five year old to hear. Right. You know what I mean? So it gets, it gets a little, you know, you kind of weave into that, I guess, politically correct type of uh, situation as well. It doesn't even need to really go as far as, you know, politically correct, but it's just, you know, it's, it's create a professional environment. And uh, I don't, I don't want to knock a a tattooer who wants to be themselves and, and create like a relaxed environment for their clientele, because I still think that's an important part of tattoo culture, but uh, as far as successful businesses, like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want people connecting me with those negative aspects they might have in their mind. You know, in New Hampshire, it's still very much a market dominated by tattoo parlors, you know, mm-hmm. not, not studios kind of a thing, you know, motorcycles parked out front, cigarette smoke in the lobby, heavy metal music blaring, you know, posters of like women in bikinis on the wall, stuff like that. And yep. like, you know, if that's your vibe and that's what your clientele wants, great. But that's not what my clientele wants. So I don't want that kind of environment. So with, with my shop now, all the tattooing is on the second floor. You know, it's basically, it's, it's two shops that share a front counter. You know, they, they, right. people check in at the desk and then once they're done with their release form, they go upstairs to the tattoo yeah. shop and up there, you know, whatever music they want, uh, conversations they want. It's just a relaxed atmosphere, but downstairs it's like, that's, that's business. You know, it's a salon yeah. vibe. It's a studio vibe because that's, that's how we bring in the clientele that I want, you know? And, yeah. uh, sometimes it might not be possible to do that in a traditional tattoo shop environment. That's very true. And that's also, um, that's also why I decided to just break off from tattoos in general and just do piercings. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I just want a whole different vibe for people, you know, and, and just the way that I personally see the industry going, I think having something like you said, you know, a salon style or a studio style or that kind of, you know, um, that kind that kind of vibe is going to work more for what we're going for sure. than, than the old tattoo parlor kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, you know, it's an evolving, it's an evolving market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an it's an evolving business model. Uh, I would imagine that five years from now, ten years from now, it's probably going to be refined or tweaked even a little bit more. And I'm I'm excited to see what the next generation of body piercers are going to do with, you know, with with the way they model and approach studio design. I, you know, I, yeah. I really like seeing the different generations of it. You know, when you go from something like a a, a gauntlet kind of shop where you could you could look at that and you could kind of see the environment that Jim Ward wanted to create and it was a nice calm environment and it was very contrasting to uh, a traditional tattoo shop, you know, and then you had this kind of thing in the nineties where it was really co-mingling into more of a tattoo culture and doing that modern primitive kind of vibe. And then, you know, I, I think going into the, the two thousands, you know, you, you had studio designs like, um, like evolution, you know, was like a blew my mind seeing that studio, you know, and yeah. soul tribe seeing, seeing that studio and just how organic and relaxing it was, you know, and then when you have these new, new generations of like hyper clean, hyper professional shops, like, you know, uh, Amory and mm-hmm. Gamma and, and, and different studios like that popping up, it's, it's, it's a totally new generation of body piercing. And I love to see, 
you know, what piercers like you are, are, are doing now when you, when you decide to go off on your own and open a studio. Like I'm always really interested to see your take on studio layout and, you know, color theory and, and all those different things. And it's just really cool to see it progress like that. Yeah. And, and honestly, for me, um, when we were building out the studio and we started planning and everything else, like my whole thought was, um, calming medical, you know, like we wanted nothing too harsh. Like we didn't want the greens and the reds and the yellows and Mm -hmm. all that other stuff. We wanted people to come in and just feel comfortable. Um, and I'm a, I'm big into like modern stuff. So I like the black and the white contrast and, um, things like that. Plus, you know, obviously Freya being the goddess of gold, we had to throw some gold stuff in there too. Right. Right. Um, but I, that, that's what I go for, you know? And, and it's like, I just love that modern kind of jewelry store feel because that's also what I feel is happening when, when you see our industry kind of pushing towards a fashion, the fashion industry as well, you know, you want to add a little bit of that into it. Um, and I think it brings a different type of clientele in as well. So what was it like designing your, your lobby and your jewelry area? Like what were some of your thoughts that went into that? So the, the design actually changed about five or six different times. Um, we initially wanted a lot of other stuff in there and then they were like, yeah, it's going to cost about $150,000. And then we were like, yeah, we'll just cut back. (laughs) So, um, so we have, we, we basically designed it down to where we have two piercing rooms and then we have like a back stock room. Um, and then the rest was just going to be the waiting area and the jewelry area, because that's what we want. We wanted people to come in. We want people to look at jewelry. We want to have the room for the jewelry. Um, and we wanted people to have the room to be able to walk around, uh, look at things, you know, you know, stuff like that. So instead of focusing so much on the piercing rooms and the, the, the other room, we just decided to put more attention towards the detail in the waiting area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also decided, cause I've always wanted to go fully disposable. So we decided, you know, we're building up this new studio. We're doing something different. We decided to go fully disposable. So that was another thing that we kind of worked through when we were designing. Um, that must have simplified things quite a bit because, you know, you need less plumbing, you need less, you know, floor space because you don't have to have that, that dirty bio room. So yep. I think a lot of shops that are looking into, you know, a complete redesign or you're opening from scratch. I think a lot more shops are looking at that seriously now because it's just, it's so much more viable than it was a few years ago because of all the different advances that have been made in the last few years. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, um, like it, it was, I was, I've always been a little bit on edge just because, you know, I've used chemostats and other tools and stuff like that for, you know, 15, 16, 17 years. Um, so now you, you have to kind of relearn how to do all that stuff, but it's something I had been kind of training with and practicing with for the last year or so anyway. So I was like, screw it. We're just going to go disposable and just made the jump. How do your how are your clients responding to that? Like clients that followed you from the old shop, how are they feeling about the the disposable um, like workflow? They love it. Um, okay. They were like, you know, well, don't you throw your needles away anyway? And it's like, yeah, but you know, there's always other tools that we would use and we could reprocess. And when you explain it to them that you know you're you're cutting down the the chances of cross contamination and you're cutting down the chances of you know BBPs and all that other stuff they get more interested in it. Um, so we've had a huge or a hugely positive 
uh, reaction to all that. That's great. You know, I, I really see that as being a big trend. Uh, you know, I I don't know that the entire industry is ready for that right now, but I think every year more and more piercers are are ready for it and receptive to it and and capable of it. You know, without reducing the the success of their piercings or mm-hmm. you know making it more uncomfortable for clients but i really like to see uh piercers especially piercers who've been working for a long time actually like taking it seriously and looking at it even if they decide that it's not right for them right now to at least be open-minded to it and, and think about it as a, something as a potential for the future yeah I, I agree completely i've uh i actually took a, a class with jeff right jeff saunders come mm-hmm. down and teach a class on being disposable and it uh that that was kind of like my first start into thinking that I was even going to go disposable. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a class with Jeff next month, and you know my section's going to be on freehand piercing. His section's going to be on disposable, and I'm really looking yeah. forward to it because, you know, I I've, I see the broad strokes of it, but I don't think that I've actually taken a, a whole class on just that concept. You know, and mm-hmm. the the big sticking points for me are is like you know I use so many pin tapers, I use so many hemostats, so. Just having someone explain it to me right in front of me and, and being able to maybe try some of that stuff mm-hmm. in my own hands and get a feel for it. You know, I'm really looking forward to, to learning more about that. Yeah. And, and the way he explains things is like it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And then, you know, you start doing it and you're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm-hmm. So, it, it yeah, it'll, it'll definitely change it a little bit. So, uh, you know, I, I did a class out at your shop, you mm-hmm. know, maybe a year ago, something like that. And yeah. do you think you're going to be doing uh, classes in your new shop? I 100% am. Cool. Um, I've actually, I've been talking to Luis and yep. we're going to set something up here soon. Um, and then uh, I was going to actually hit you up and see if you want to do another one down here. I would um, love to. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to look and see, I want to get some new people in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lo- like one of the things that has always been instilled in me is just making sure I'm educated and up to, I'm up to date and things like that. And not all of us over here can have the chance to go to conference, especially now being a studio owner, that's like not going to happen at least this year. Um, so it's, it's good. Like I love being able to bring people in and do the seminars and teach some of the local piercers and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that was, that was really my first, my first private seminar, you know, mm-hmm. and I was, I was super nervous and, you know, you made it really easy for me because, you know, you had worked with people like Jeff and Luis before. Yeah. So, uh, it's definitely cool. And especially it's cool to see that you, you tend to kind of get the same faces coming back through for classes and you're kind of establishing, you know, your studio is like a, a, a place for viable education. You know, it's, it's really good to, to build that up because I think sometimes people are just kind of. They're in like a desert for it. You know, they don't know where to go if they want to learn something new. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing, like in Maryland, there's we're a very densely populated area, but there's only a handful of really good studios around. Um, so it's good to get piercers that are around here that are working in very subpar studios. And we all know those studios um, really well. So it's good to see them get involved as well because they're – they're hopefully going to learn something from it and kind of try to get themselves to, to, to move up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most like unrealistic things that I hear about piercers with, with the, with the, the way they criticize other people is like just dismissing someone as being like, Oh, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They work in a crap shop. So I'm just going to write them off forever. And it's like, how, 
like how ridiculous is that and how damaging is it to the industry because everybody kind of starts in that same position of like you don't you don't know it all you know yeah. so you need to you need to get out and you need to shadow you need to take classes you need to talk to people and make connections and go to conferences and all that stuff and that's how you get better so it's kind of like um I forget exactly what what the story was, but somebody was basically saying like you should never make fun of a heavy person at the gym because they showed up, you know, and they're working on yeah. it, you know. And it's like why would you why would you mock someone who's you know maybe not as skilled as they want to be, but they're engaged, you know, and they're they're yeah. trying. And it's like that's that's all I want to see. I just want to see the effort and and see that someone cares enough that they want to get better. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree, hundred percent. So what do you have for like short term goals with your shop? Like, were there anything, were there any things that you wanted to kind of have for day one that you thought were, okay, that's going to be maybe like, uh, you know, year two or like month six or something like that. Like, what are some of the projects you're working on in the shop? So one of the things that I've always wanted to do is an online store. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, it's not anything that's like a, a superior goal, but it's something I've wanted to do for a while. So I think that's part of our six month goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think after like two or three years, I know it's kind of a little far away, but I do want to expand a little bit. We have a good amount of space, but I want a little more space for other mm-hmm. things. Um, just to kind of expand on the whole, um, seminar thing and everything else. I'd love to have a space set up just for the seminars. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we can get people to come in, have a bunch of people in there comfortably, that kind of thing. I think that's going to be one of my next goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with this studio, my main thing was just getting it open. And um, the really awesome thing is that we've been so busy since we opened that I haven't re- really had a chance to to think about what we want to do next, um, which is kind of a good thing. It, it's obviously, we, it, you know, being that busy is, is never bad. Um, but you, we haven't had a chance to really sit down and, and figure out our six-month year, two-year goals 100%. That's not such a bad problem to have, you know, because no. I, I think some shops, you know, they, they open, they, they put in all this money and time and all that, thinking that people are just going to be beating down the door, but it doesn't happen, you know, and it's this slow progression of, of building a market and building a clientele. So, you know, it, it must be very validating to, to know that your clients stuck with you and, mm. you know, that there's interest in this, this new business and everything. So, you know, I, I'm really happy to see that working out for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially after the the stress levels that we all experienced for the for the last couple months, having um, you know fully booked days, having people come in and seeing the positive um, the positive support that we've that we've had has just been outstanding. It's been amazing, and I mean that goes it's for clients, some colleagues, um, other people in the piercing industry. It's just been it's been insanely good. That's great. You know, that's, that's, that's really good to hear, you know, because I know you're a really hard worker and you have a really great reputation. So it's, it's good that you have, you know, you, you have a studio environment that's fully supportive because it's, it's your business environment. Yeah. So it's, it's just cool to see all those kind of things lining up for you. Yeah, man. It's uh, definitely more than I could have ever asked for. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Um, so anything else you want to hit or do you feel like this is kind of a good point to wrap I, up? I think it's a pretty good point to wrap up. Okay, cool. Well, um, why don't you uh, give everybody your your new new shop info again, any sort of social media stuff. Where can they find you? Sure. So um, the new shop is Freya Piercing. Um, That's where you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Our studio is now in Gambrels, Maryland. You can visit our website at freyapiercing.com. 
Um, that's where we do all of our appointments. All of our information goes up there. So uh, feel free to check it out. And for the people that don't know, how do you spell Freya? It is F-R-E-Y-J-A. All right. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for taking the time away from the uh, the business to talk to me for a little bit. And I'm really excited to, to see where you go with it over the next couple of years. Yeah, thank you, man. And um, uh, But yeah, I definitely want to get you up here for, for another seminar. So when your schedule frees up, just let me know. and we'll. I think I'm going to have a ton of time in the summer and fall. So yeah, you know, whatever, whenever it lines up for you, just let me know and we'll work out a date. Beautiful. Sounds good, man. Cool, man. All right. Thanks nice. for talking to me. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. All right. Thanks for talking to me, Matt. Uh, you know, again, anybody who's interested in actually starting their own studio or, you know, taking the, the next step in their career, um, you really want to know all the adulting that goes on behind the scenes with it. You know, I, I think some body piercers, uh, they, they kind of get in a phase where they're like, okay, I'm making good money, I have good clientele, I have good social media presence, so obviously the next step is me opening a studio. And I, I would certainly try to encourage that. I, I love the whole entrepreneur concept and you know small business and, and all that stuff, but uh, you can really shoot yourself in the foot if you do it before you're ready. So you know, plan it out. Um, have a business plan. If you don't know what a business plan is, you probably shouldn't be opening a shop. So that, that's just a really easy line. Um, you can do continuing education. You can take classes online. You could go to maybe a local community college. You could do one semester of just you know small business classes, entrepreneurship training. Um, there, there's a lot of different things that go into businesses, and the more you know, the easier it is for you to be successful. You know, you see some shops where you know they can get by, they can pay rent, you know, they can they can have a, an okay living, but there there's kind of a cap for growth, you know, you kind of get to this plateaued point. Um, the way to bust through that, you know, break that glass ceiling, get past that plateau, whatever you want to call it, is it's all information. It's knowing how to get to that next step. It's knowing how to manage your finances and handle any sort of, you know, legal issues or, you know, employees, payroll, taxes, all that stuff. You know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of knowledge. Um, I learned a lot of it the hard way. Uh, meaning, you know, I lost a lot of money that I didn't need to lose, wasted a lot of money, wasted a lot of time, wasted a lot of effort for ideas that I just didn't fully understand. So um, learn as much as you can. Uh, shadow, you know, shadowing is really important, not just for learning how to like push a needle through someone. But, you know, whenever I go to another studio, I talk to their shop manager, I talk to their owner, I talk to their different piercers, I talk to the people who are working the front counter, and I want to find out what makes their shop a successful shop. And I want to take all that information and I want to fold it into my shop and make my shop as successful as possible. So um, get out there, learn as much as you can, uh, get as successful as you can. I believe in you, but uh, you want to have the right information going into it. So that's enough for this week. I'll be back next week with another interview possibly John Robertson, but you know, we'll see uh, how the, the Florida trip goes, but one way or another, I'll have somebody to talk to for you next week and uh, hope you tune back in. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.